tell me if you hear there's a lawnmower outside of my building. Do you hear any humming? I hear just a little humming, but not enough to to worry about. Okay. Okay, cool. Let me know if it gets bad. I can try to move to a different location. You want to just yell at them like, hey. (laughs) I wish. Hold on. Let me see if there's anything. What what the status is on this? It's 3.30 on a Thursday. Some people are recording podcasts. Hi, welcome to Flywheel Fridays. Keeping up with the federal IT news cycle, one conversation at a time. I'm Alexander Bolova, media producer for GovCIO Media and Research. With me today are my wonderful co-workers, staff writers Sarah Seibert and Nikki Henderson. Sarah and Nikki, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Alex. We just wrapped up our Digital Services Disruptive DevSecOps virtual event, which featured leadership from across government discussing the importance of strong DevSecOps strategies and topics like agile methodology, infrastructure support and security, and workforce development. To kick off our discussion, Sarah and Nikki, what were some of your initial takeaways from the event? Yeah, thanks, Alex. Uh, One of my top takeaways from this event are, well, A, the number of policies that are coming out around security, agile methodology, workforce development, and these Policies from OMB, NIST, CISA, to name a few, are creating expectations and guidelines for federal agencies, but now these agencies are focusing on implementation. And a common through line I noticed throughout this event is upskilling the workforce. Uh, This is going to be a key enabler to innovation and agility. Nikki, what did you notice? Well, Sarah and Alex, I cover um, DOD. And I realized that uh, there are many challenges with DevSecOps. I just didn't realize that um, there were quite as many. There are just more than I initially thought. And culture seems to be a really big uh, problem across DoD with DevSecOps or implementing any new technology, really. And another common theme, especially with DevSecOps, is education Uh, The panelists I spoke to just spoke about educating leadership, senior leadership, and how they need to be better informed about implementing new technologies like DevSecOps. So that was something that just kind of stood out to me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Awesome. Let's dive into the event, which began with a fireside chat on DevOps for cloud migration. Editor-in-Chief Amy Kluber spoke with Acting Deputy Federal CIO of OMB, Drew Michaelgard. Sarah, what did they discuss? Yeah, so to begin with, Drew, being in the White House, has this cross-government position where he's helping other federal agencies throughout their IT modernization journeys. So one of his big focuses is zero trust. Uh, Following some of the supply chain attacks we saw last year, like the Colonial Pipeline hack and SolarWinds. So zero trust can help agencies secure systems against attackers better. And as government accelerates security, Michael Gard said that DevSecOps enables developers to bake in security early in product development instead of 
what we have seen historically where they develop a solution and then the last step is making sure it's uh, secure and then it goes to launch. So by baking in security early in this process, agencies have more time to build out new features that enhance customer experience. And then as they work to adopt some of these new policies, agencies are building out a culture of innovation. Uh, so some of the challenges that OMB and other agencies have experienced is breaking this belief that longer development cycles equals more security. Michael Gard explained that faster can be safer, and he's working on building trust and engagement around that concept. And while he's doing this, OMB is collaborating with other agencies like USDS and the National Cyber Director to lead better talent recruitment and retention and develop better tools. And then looking ahead, Drew will work to invest in people and push continuous ATOs, which Nikki, I know that's a big concept within DOD right now, uh, to speed up innovation and talent. So that's a brief overview of our awesome fireside chat this morning. Our next panel was on building a DevSecOps culture with DOD software factories. Nikki, I believe this was your first time moderating a panel for one of our events. How'd it go? Well, Alex, it was amazing. Um, it was just a great experience all around. I really enjoyed moderating this panel because the speakers were really uh, very excited about discussing DevSecOps and how to address the challenges surrounding it. So it went really well. One of the things that was really interesting to me was Manuel Galto, the chief engineer at Black Pearl. He's the one trying to explain to me why Black Pearl doesn't necessarily call itself a software factory, but in fact calls itself a, a software practice. And he clarified this by saying that the purpose of Black Pearl is really to be more of like an enablement organization. Um, their goal is to get people past that first step of choosing a tool set and then getting it hosted in the cloud. They help with that so the organization can focus on the hard parts like how they can deliver to production. So that's how um, Black Pearl is really like why they call themselves a uh, software practice. And then Robert DeVincent, the chief software officer of the 309th Software Engineering Group, he talked about how important it was to educate senior leadership to enable DevSecOps across DOD. He said there has really been a problem uh, throughout the Defense Department with interpretation of acceptable risks across AOs. He said that DOD needs policies that help drive the comfort of AOs to accept and mitigate levels of risks. And Robert just thinks that if we educate the senior leaders um, this will help them to better understand the benefits and the concerns of implementing uh, DevSecOps. And lastly, Dave Cantrell, the CISO at Bespin, he discussed um, ways that, well, he talked about how he always pushes his team to step outside of their comfort zone 
especially when it comes to overcoming the obstacles of implementing DevSecOps. He said that they spend a lot of time establishing relationships with teams and helping to kind of guide them through this whole DevSecOps process. He says um, they also shift as far left as possible in the ATO process, like uh, Sarah was mentioning earlier. And then they tailor the customer's desired technical solution that helps shape them and optimize them to go through the process as quickly as possible. Fantastic. Thank you. Next was our panel on DevOps for better security, moderated by Sarah. Sarah, who is on your panel? Yeah, so my panel featured Elizabeth Schweinberg, who's a digital services expert at the U.S. Digital Service, Jennifer Swanson, who's a chief systems engineer for the assistant secretary for acquisition, logistics, and technology at the U.S. Army. And then we had an industry speaker as well, Joe Garcia, who's the DevOps security engineer at CyberArk. So, Nikki, uh, you said something that made my ears perk up uh, about Dave Cantrell, uh, because that also came up in my panel as well. So Jennifer Swanson was talking about uh, one of her big focuses are leveraging new offerings to close skill gaps. And one example she used was Digital University. And by focusing on offering choice and flexibility into these offerings across the federal workforce, uh, government is able to reimagine career tracks and offer employees what they really want in a career. The Army is also looking to automate testing to speed up solutions delivery, making it more agile. And here it is, Nikki, shifting left. <laughs> that was a keyword on the bingo card throughout this entire event. Everyone's looking to shift left and how far left they can go. But once they automate testing, one of the issues Army will be looking to overcome is figuring out how they can build trust in those results and in the automated process. Um, and then for Elizabeth, uh, she's a digital service expert with CMS right now. She's focusing on the intersection between zero trust and DevSecOps. Obviously they're both huge security frameworks that uh, Biden and top officials are pushing across federal agencies right now. And she said the overlap between those two is the security testing of applications. And by testing security of applications, agencies are able to get out in front of vulnerabilities and increase trustworthiness. One of the other policies she's eyeing is CISA's zero trust maturity model. Uh, and this model will help CMS uh, USDS and other agencies find small areas to improve. So she mentioned this isn't like a huge security shift that they're working on. It's to identify small ways to improve to help bring the entire agency to optimal maturity. Uh, so that includes more testing and guardrails around security to improve encryption at rest uh, and just really honing in on those best practices. And then from the industry side, Joe Garcia with CyberArk, he said that his organization is focusing on new tools to be interoperable in addition to security. So allowing all these systems to talk to each other and share secrets while also being secure. Uh, so CyberArk is focusing on being a centralized solution to relay information, quote, just in time. 
And that is another key concept I drew out of this event is just providing information just in time, not having critical information sit around to open yourself up to attack or put that data at risk. So CyberArk is focusing on a new venture right now, which is software supply chain security. So CyberArk is working on a new project around this to take familiar frameworks like NIST and do security assessments on different services within that supply chain, then create reports on areas to improve. So another big theme is testing, 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 figure out best practices, implement those best practices to really streamline uh, the security process, making agencies and organizations more agile uh, and getting solutions into the hands of citizens faster and better. Our last panel was a fireside chat with Linda Ennis, Director of Transition Management and EHRM IO Release Manager at VA. Nikki, what were some of the topics covered? Well, Alex, Linda talked about some of the structural priorities that go into planning and EHR modernization transition. She discussed several ways that you can protect against issues surrounding implementation. Linda said it's very important to choose a system with a friendly user interface. Um, she said that you should also make sure the user interface of the system is intuitive and simple to to learn so it'll make it easier, the transition easier for your staff. Um, she really emphasized that. She also said it was important to include the staff in the decision-making process to help you determine how prepared um, your staff is. And then another thing that um, Adam actually asked Linda regarding the uh, modernized EHR system um, was about the critical steps that should be taken to protect such a system. And so Linda said you should create a checklist of what steps are anticipated and need to be completed. She also talked about how you need to determine who will complete the critical tasks, which include stakeholder recruitment, transferring data, and providing training, uh, just to mention a few. And she said it was also vital to establish go-live activities and metrics uh, for success. Before we wrap up our discussion, Sarah and Nikki, do you have any last thoughts to leave our listeners with? Yeah, thank you, Alex. I loved Drew Michael Gard's quote from his opening fireside chat, and I think that serves as a common theme throughout the event. It is possible to move faster while being more secure, and I think that's where we'll see these agencies headed moving forward. Yes, um, Alex and Sarah, what I realize is that we have a ways to go when it comes to implementing DevSecOps across uh, the Defense Department, and there are definitely hurdles to overcome, but progress, the good thing is progress is slowly being made. And it's clear to me that after this event, I realized just how significant the role of software factories is in DOD's new software modernization strategy. If you missed the event, all panels will be available to watch on our website. Our next event, Cyberscape Zero Trust, will be in person on September 29th at the Archer Hotel Tyson's. 
There'll be great conversations and very yummy food, so make sure to register for that on our website. But until then, that's all for today's Flywheel Fridays. If you enjoyed this episode, keep the conversation turning by subscribing and leaving a review on the podcast platform of your choice. I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Sarah Seibert. I'm Nikki Henderson. Thank you for listening. Flywheel Fridays, along with GovCast, HealthCast, and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released weekly across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com. All right. If you missed the event, all panels will be available to watch on our website. I can say that with a little more enthusiasm. Yeah, the only reason I the only reason I sound good on these podcasts is because I am the one editing them. If the listeners knew how many times I repeated the same sentence over and over again to get it right, even after we finished properly recording the episodes, it would be very embarrassing. All right. <clears throat>